If you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to go right into the subject of the um, benefits, the results of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'd like for us to leave our time together with an understanding uh, of what really God has provided for us in and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there is a study sheet in your bulletin. We'll be talking on uh, some of these, but we uh, will only deal with some of them uh, this morning. But I'd like for you to look with me at Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. Paul prays the apostle who wrote this section, this book, letter to the Ephesian Christians. He prays that the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened. He wants them to understand spiritual truth. That you may know, and that word know there is the word that means to know intimately. What is the hope of his calling, his calling in our lives? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance, which we have spiritually as saints, as believers? But notice with me verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power... Toward us. Now there's great power that God makes available to us. And we're going to see why in a few minutes. The exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, we're believers, according to the working, and now he uses that terminology again, of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So uh, the apostle is praying for the Ephesian believers. He says, I want you to understand spiritual truth, the things that I've been sharing with you, but I also want you to understand the exceeding greatness of God's power that's available to us as believers in order to live the Christian life, the spiritual life. There are many, many passages of Scripture which encourage us with regards to the fact that the Lord does desire to meet our spiritual needs, to be with us in times of trial and need. Um, I'm thinking of a verse like um, Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Some translation put, uh, put it this way, in time of need. The Lord's there for us. If you know Jesus as your Savior and some difficult things come along in your life and experience, God's going to be there to help you in time of need. Of course, you know what he wants us to do. He wants us to seek him for the needs that we have. Uh, He wants us to develop the ability to communicate with him and to express to him our heart's concerns, and he desires to do that. He he says, call him to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. You know, one thing I'm coming away from this message this morning, and I want us to realize that, yes, we have the power of God available to us to meet the needs of our lives. But please keep this in mind. I'm not overstating the case. I'm not saying that the Lord really can meet the greatest needs of our life. He can do that. And He wants to do that. Um, The the power of the Lord is available to us. And uh, as we look at these um, areas in which the Lord ministers to us because of the resurrection of Christ. Please keep in mind that this is something he has chosen to do for us. Okay, uh, Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of need. There are many, many other verses that tell us that God's power 
and help is available to us. Now, as been mentioned in prayer this morning, just as the uh, a human heart uh, pumps life-giving blood through our bodies, so um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives life to every other truth with, re- with regards to the gospel message that God has given to us. The resurrection of Christ is pivotal to all the truth that's found in the Word of God. Jesus promised that he would die on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again. In fact, in Mark chapter 8, we read that he said to his disciples, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. It's interesting when you look at Scripture, you see that the disciples really didn't remember that. They really didn't. Now, the enemies of Jesus, they remembered that he promised to rise again. In fact, it's in John's Gospel, where he said, Destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. And uh, he it then John clearly records it, and he spoke about the temple of his body. The enemies of Jesus never forgot the fact that Jesus promised to rise from the dead and that's why they wanted the tomb sealed because they wanted it sealed so that his disciples wouldn't come and from their perspective steal his body and claim that he rose again. No, Jesus did rise from the dead. In fact, the Apostle Paul in that resurrection chapter says in chapter 15 verse 14, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is vain and your faith is also vain. You know, that's saying a lot. It really is. In fact, it's saying this. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, there's really no need for us to be here for worship this morning. We have a living Savior who's worthy of our worship and our love and our devotion. And uh, we, uh, we join with others today to set aside this day uh, as a day, Resurrection Sunday, when we honor the Lord for what he did for us. Without the resurrection, salvation from sin could not have been provided. And without belief in the resurrection, there's no salvation from sin. And it's very sad to know that there are those in our world and our society who claim to have the name Christian, who literally deny many of the truths of the Word of God and deny the truth that Christ died on the cross, was buried, and he rose bodily from the dead. They'll say, oh, well, he rose. He rose as a spirit. No, he rose bodily, and we'll see this this morning as we consider this truth. That's why the Apostle Paul said, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead, you will be saved. So this morning, if your faith is in Christ and you understand that Jesus died on that cross for you, he was buried, and he's alive today. He came back to life. He's alive today, and he lives in heaven uh, and, of course, he's omnipresent, so he can be with us as well, then we can have salvation and forgiveness of sin. I want to talk a little bit about the uniqueness of Christ's resurrection. The resurrection of Christ is not simply a coming back to life again. It's more than that. Because uh, you remember Jesus in the Gospels, there's the record of his raising Lazarus from the dead. But Lazarus died again. However, when Jesus rose from the dead, he was, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection chapter, he received the new kind of human life. 
he received the life that would last forever. He was the first fruits of those who slept. And that term slept means those who fall asleep in Jesus, those who die. Okay? Um, it was a life in which his body was made perfect. It was no longer suffer, um, able to experience weakness and uh, aging. As you know, Jesus was truly God and truly man, and he grew from the time he was a baby till uh, age 30, and uh, there was three years of ministry, and he had a real body. And when he rose from the dead, he rose from the dead in a transformed body, but it was a human body. It was a physical, bodily resurrection that we talk about when we talk about the resurrection of Christ. You see, we bury bodies. We don't bury spirits. Very important. You say, why is it important? My heart goes out to those who will not consider and look at what the Bible says about the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. Our bodies, when we die as believers, will go into the ground, into the grave. But the day is coming when he will take the seed of that which is planted in the ground and transform it and provide for us an eternal body. Now, don't miss this part. Sometimes people ask this all the time, in fact. Uh, well, when I die as a Christian, do I go immediately to heaven? You know the answer to that based on the word of God. Absent from the body, at home or present with the Lord. But the body goes into the grave when we die. And from that, it's like planting a seed. The Lord takes the seed of the body and he transforms it to give to us the body that we'll have eternally with the Lord. And that's very clear in the text of Scripture. So uh, we're going to have bodies like Christ's resurrected body, like his body. Um, it's interesting that after the resurrection... Uh, he showed them that he was bodily raised from the dead by um, showing them his hands and his feet. Uh, he ate with them. For you who like to eat, in the resurrection body, you will be able to eat. Do you know what Jesus ate after he rose from the dead? Fish and anything else? Hun wow, to the head of the class this morning. This is awesome. He did. He, he really did. And uh, it's wonderful to know this truth, uh, that our bodies will be like his glorious body. Real quickly, I just want to mention uh, the proofs for the uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the first major proof, of course, is the empty tomb. And this is a huge problem for those who doubt the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus died and stayed dead, stayed dead rather, then why was his tomb empty? It was empty because... He, in his own power, was raised from the dead. Christianity could have been stopped before it even started if Jesus' enemies had simply produced a dead body, but there was no dead body there. Now, some claim, and this is what we call false claims with regards to the resurrection, some claim that um, Jesus did not die on the cross, but simply lapsed into deep unconsciousness. And the thought is, when he was in the tomb, the coolness of the tomb revived Jesus. And uh, he got up and he shook off the effects of the horrible injuries and unwrapped his grave clothes. It gets worse when you think about how they discuss this. Unwrapped the grave clothes, 
pushed aside the stone, pushed aside the stone, and um, without waking the guards, because they were heavy sleepers, snuck away, reappeared, and claimed to have risen from the dead. I'll tell you, that takes a lot of thought to really comprehend even what they're saying. It really does. The empty tomb, the resurrection appearances that are recorded in Scripture. Uh, Dr. Walvert in his great book on the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ our Savior, he studied the resurrection of Christ very carefully. And uh, he recorded 17 appearances of Christ after the resurrection. Of course, he was seen first by the women who went to the tomb to anoint the body of Christ. Apostle Paul says he appeared to Peter, then he appeared to the twelve, and then he appeared to 500 at one time. And when the Apostle Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, Corinthians, he said, and of these 500, many of these people are still living today who are eyewitnesses of the risen Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. How awesome. So we have the empty tomb, the resurrection appearances. We have the transformation of the disciples. Remember when the women left the tomb and went and told the disciples, Jesus is risen? (laughs) They didn't really believe it, did they? Very skeptical about what they were told. And then, of course, they were transformed. They realized they saw the Savior himself who appeared to them in the upper room. And then you also have the fact that the day of worship was changed for Jewish believers from Saturday to Sunday, we call it the Lord's Day. The fact that we're worshiping Christ today on the first day of the week is another testimony to the fact that Christ rose from the dead. Now, I'd like for just a few minutes for us to consider some of the awesome blessings that come as a result of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to mention, first of all, that Christ was raised from the dead to assure us of the acceptance of his sacrifice for sin. Now, there's a key verse for each of these truths, and the key verse for this is Romans uh, chapter 4, verse 25. And this is one of the great verses in the Word of God with regards to the death and resurrection of Christ. Very clear reference, Romans 4, 25. It says, He was delivered up for our offenses. Some translations translate offenses, sins. He was delivered up for our sins, and He was raised that we might be declared righteous. So when you and I as believers, we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we realize that uh, God not only accepted the sacrifice of Christ for us, but he forgives us of our sins. When we come to the Lord's table this morning, you know, one of the things that's always in our mind and thinking, when we take communion together, we're so thankful he forgives our sins. Because there's none of us that are sinless. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But how wonderful to know that when Jesus died on the cross... There he paid the price for our sins. Romans 4.25 says he was delivered up for our sins and he was raised for our justification. In fact, uh, you've probably heard of the study of the seven last words of Christ on the cross. And one of the last words that Christ mentioned, of course, was the fact that he cried out and he said, It is finished to tell us die. The price for sin has been paid by Jesus himself. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so our sins deserve death. 
But Jesus Christ went to the cross, and there he died for us. He paid for our sins. He paid for them. So that God, in turn, can forgive us of all of our sin when we believe that Jesus paid the price for us. So Christ's resurrection was the proof or the vindication of God's acceptance of the sacrifice of Christ. Let's think of another one. Secondly, he died on the cross and rose again to give us victory over sin's power. Now I'd like for you to turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 6 if you have your Bibles in hand. Romans chapter 6 beginning at verse 3. Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection. You'll notice that it says in verse 4 that when we trust Christ as Savior, we're baptized into his death. We are literally joined to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's something that you do not experience um, physically, but you experience it spiritually. When you put your faith in Christ, you say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I want you to be my personal Savior. Then you are joined to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's called being baptized into Christ, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit who takes you as a believer... One who trusts Christ as your Savior for forgiveness of your sin. And he joins you to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is great truth. You know, there's certain chapters in the Bible that we really need to get a handle on. And one of them is Romans chapter 6. Because it affects literally of how we look at ourselves and how we live before God. It really does. We have been joined to the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6. When we were saved... We were joined and identified with Christ. The Bible says Christ is our life. And actually it says, you'll notice in verse 4, we were raised with Christ in order that we should walk in newness of life. And see, this is why when you become a Christian, and especially later in life, someone may say to you, wow, I've seen a real change in your life. Well, why would that be? Because when you trust Christ as Savior, Old things are passed away and old things become new. And there are new things in your life and experience and you begin to live to please the Lord. You walk in newness of life. And we like new things. We do. Uh, we're, we're, I don't know what it is about us as people, but we like new things. And we have a new life when we trust Christ as Lord and Savior. So when you trust Christ as Savior, you become connected to Christ. And this makes it possible for you to experience the power of the resurrected Christ in your life. This is very important truth. Before you're saved, you're connected to Adam. You're connected to the human family. And Adam, when he sinned, he, uh, he passed on death through the human family. But when you trust Christ as your Savior, you see you receive life from Christ. It's awesome. And the point is we now as believers have the ability to draw on that resurrection power to have victory over sin in our lives. And uh, we, we, it, it helps us to understand that 
We need to change our thinking with regards to overcoming problems and sin. You see, if we have, remember we looked at that verse, Paul prayed that we might know the exceeding greatness of God's power to us. Well, how does this work its way out? When problems, bad habits, sin comes along, we say to ourselves this, I cannot stop this sin, no matter what it is, in my own strength. You say, wow, does the Bible say that's true? Yes, it does. Aren't there some people that get over their problems without Christ? Yes. But we're talking about a Christian. We're talking about a believer. We're, we're talking about those who have a relationship with God. So how does God help me to overcome? Let's just boil it down to a sin. Well, Lord, I'm going to do my best. And No, this is what we do. We realize that there's victory in Christ. We realize from Romans 6 that we've been joined to Jesus Christ. And so I'm responsible to say, confess my sin to the Lord and claim by faith the victory that's possible through Christ because Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. That doesn't mean we can't live life, but it means we can't do those things which count for time and eternity. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So when we're praying about, let's say, I have a bad habit or I have a sin in my life, I want to get that out of my life, how do I do it? I go to the Lord and I say, Lord, I believe you died on the cross for me and you rose from the dead and you make possible for me to have resurrection power. The power to overcome something that I can't do on my own. That is very important truth in the word of God. Jesus was raised from the dead to give us victory over sin's power. Another one, just briefly, uh, to give us heavenly imperishable Bodies. Jesus said great truth, important truth. John chapter 14. Because I live, he rose from the dead, you shall live also. Now again, the great resurrection chapter is 1 Corinthians 15, where it says the body is sown perishable, but it is raised imperishable. The apostle Paul uses the analogy of, the, of a seed. Now I used to like the garden years ago. Some of you still like the garden today. And, and it's an awesome thing. It really is. How God made our world. You take a seed and you put it in the ground and uh, you water it and it dies. But then a plant comes up. It's just absolutely amazing. It's beautiful. And that's the picture that the Apostle Paul uses with regards to our physical bodies. The body is placed in the ground. It is sown, 1 Corinthians 15, 44, it is sown a natural body is raised a spiritual body. Don't forget that word body, spiritual body. It was once the bodies that we have now are created for life on the earth. The bodies that we will receive are created and made for life in heaven. And our new bodies will be like Christ's body that was clearly taught in Philippians 1, uh, chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Our citizenship is in heaven. From which we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our mortal bodies that they might be fashioned like unto his glorious body. So the Lord Jesus Christ, well, you look at the accounts in Scripture with regards to the resurrected Lord. You see sometimes he appears in a room and then he's gone. You see that one time he went through closed doors. Another time he ate 
and he drank with the disciples after his resurrection. Wow. He was remarkably the same, and at the same time, he was remarkably different. The body appeared like his body before the resurrection, but after the resurrection, he had a new kind of body, a resurrection body, and that's what we will have as well. And that was clearly stated to the disciples when they said, um, when they were standing there and looking at Jesus ascending up into heaven, Acts 1.11 says that the angel said to the disciples, the same Jesus who you saw ascending up into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So our bodies which are now perishable, weak, and um, not so glorious at times, will be changed to be like his glorious body. Another truth, Jesus was raised from the dead so that we might experience God's mighty power in our lives. That's Ephesians 1.19, where he talks about the exceeding greatness of his power, which is given to us. He wants us, Paul prays for the Ephesian believers, to experience this power in their lives and in their walk with the Lord. So Jesus Christ was raised from the dead to let us experience his resurrection power. The day will come when we will die. The body goes into the ground. However, the day of resurrection, Christ will change that which goes into the ground and form our new and our glorious body. Interestingly enough, the Apostle Paul ends 1 Corinthians chapter 15 by saying this, Because there is a future for us, and we'll have new bodies, we'll be in glory in heaven with the Lord forever in new bodies. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is not in vain for the Lord. So what he is saying is this, because the Lord died and rose again for you, now it's possible for you to let your life count for him and don't give up. Don't give up in your life of living for the Lord. You and I probably have known through the years people who have gotten discouraged about spiritual things or, or about the Christian life and they kind of gave up. But the Lord says, don't do this. Be steadfast, be unmovable, be always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let's join our hearts and prayers we come to the table together.